0: Hello, I'm James, and welcome to another episode of the Oz F1 show. In this episode, we review the Spanish Grand Prix in Barcelona. And I'm joined. As always, by only one half of the equation of the usual other end of the Zoom call, and it's allegedly the sexiest voice in Formula One, and also what I heard yesterday, the voice of Darth Vader, it's Campy. Hello, mate.
1: How are you, mate? Good morning. It's a a very solid introduction for me. The Uh, sexiest voice in F1. I don't know. (laughs) I really don't know about that, but thank you. I'll take it. I've got a head for radio, so I'll take as much as I can possibly get, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mate, as I said to uh, Bev, who messaged yesterday saying she was listening to our pre-drinks podcast, uh, which she doesn't normally do because it's not a MotoGP weekend for her, so she thought she'd listen to F1. She said, geez, Cappy's voice is so great, it sounds like Darth Vader. And I'm like, surely this is the only reason we're successful is because of your
1: voice. No, no, no. No, let's not talk about that. It's making me feel uncomfortable. Certainly not uh, because of our faces, let's
0: let's be honest. But Campy, Oh, absolutely. Uh, guess what? Spain was boring. Who would have thought?
1: Snorefest. 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 Snorefest.
0: Snores in Spanish is what happened.
1: Yeah, with a lisp. If you can snore with a lisp, <laughs> I probably can, I assure you.
0: <laughs> oh. oh, mate. Uh, well, if you didn't listen to our pre drinks podcast ahead of the Spanish Grand Prix, uh, jump back and do that first. You'll find that from yesterday. Uh, but, mate, we might as well just jump straight into it because. Jump uh, straight in. Look, the, the start of the race was the most exciting. Um, even Anthony Davidson, live from the Skypad back in the UK, relegated back to being <laughs> satellite link fed into our commentary coverage. Uh, was saying it's all about the start and then basically the rest of it, some potential strategy jumps, but mainly it's a DRS train.
1: Uh, overall, we
0: were pretty happy with this race, weren't we, because of Daniel Ricciardo?
1: Oh, great start. Uh, he he mentioned that in his post-race. I think we talked about it yesterday. The first 30 seconds of his race was going to define what actually happened. He actually got past uh, Leclerc as well on the start going mm-hmm. into turn one. Um, I had no idea who was... What was happening up the front? I was <laughs> sheerly focused seven places back. So I missed the I missed the start until the replays, but, um, yeah, great jump. He got the uh, Alpine of Ocon, and who else did he get? Carlos. That's, Carlos was in front of him, yep, and he actually had Leclerc, but he didn't quite have the angle going into turn two, so yeah. he had to back out of it. Um, shame he didn't get Bottas where Leclerc got Bottas, but because he, he had to back out so much of turn one, because he went on the outside, um, he didn't get the run. But, uh, yeah, great start it's what we want to see. And he sort of held that position for the whole race, really. Didn't he? Um, Until Perez eventually got him. I mean, that was always going to happen. Quicker car, but he did well to defend it for however many laps, 45-odd laps or so, 46. Yeah,
0: he came out saying that he's obviously a lot happier with what he's doing uh, this weekend and the McLaren, and certainly that he wasn't... As fast as the Red Bull, but as you say, for holding up Perez for so long, even though he was weaving, and which is not illegal, it's not against the restrictions, but just count on Michael Massey to uh, change his mind mid-race about a ruling, uh, and he was told that uh, he had to stop the weaving, but uh, really,
1: really good job. Drivers weave all the time to get out of, especially on a long straight like that, you can weave across to break the toe. As long as they're not moving twice under braking, which causes the issues, there should be no problem. But you know what? You had Perez whinging and you had his best mate, Karen Horner, on the pit (laughs) wall talking to Michael Massey. And Michael Massey, you tit, grow a spine. (laughs) Dear Lord, we want some consistency, but when... When it's on the live broadcast that you've been telling people not to weave, uh, mate, it's not a good look. Sort your shit out. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, interesting been-
0: also that we actually got a live feed from Toto to Race Control. That's the first time I've heard uh, Team Principal to Race Control uh, Radio uh, about blue flags and <laughs> Mazapin again, what a surprise, and being able to push Valtteri- Sorry, Lewis past.
1: Yeah, look, it was a pretty crucial part of the race as well, wasn't it? Um, Max Verstappen had pitted, and he did about a a four-and-a-half-second pit stop. Pit stop, he also got held up from Perez when he got back onto track after a lap. So Hamilton was really in the box seat for a a solid lap. They should have pitted in the next lap if they wanted that track position. But because of what happened with uh, Mazepin... And the blue flags. Yeah, we well, didn't obey them, really. Uh, no, that is that is why we uh, that is why he didn't um, pit that next, very next lap and get the lead. So um, I can understand the frustration, but geez, how good of Merck? We'll get oh, to them, but
0: absolutely. Well, let's start at the very back of the pack as we normally do. KP, we'll start with Hass and uh Mazda Spin with no surprises at all, finishing in last of the runners. Uh, in nineteenth, of course, Yuki Tsunoda, the only person who didn't finish the race this weekend, um, he just—we spoke about him yesterday, didn't we, Campy? And we was sort of saying maybe there's a glimmer here of something that was good when he did his test in that Mercedes in 2019. But the dude can't even obey blue flags and get out of the way of the Mercedes coming up behind him. He had—I mean, talk about grid potato.
1: He is the absolute grid potato. He is not doing anything for his stocks for the future. He's just becoming the laughing stock the longer and longer this season goes along.
0: Yeah, and even Martin Brundle just having stabs as many times as he wants, like always coming up to Mazepin and we know passing him is going to be interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, before we jump into the – for the full race review, Jim, I'm actually not sure if you got to see it on KO last night. There was – Discord chat was going mental about the live feed being. Oh yes. You in interrupted. Talk to me. Were you yeah. actually able to watch most of the race? Yeah. Well, yes. How I much, mean, talking about how much about, did you miss?
0: Talking about potatoes in F one and Ko and Foxtel are the biggest in terms cool. of the uh, awareness and production of the well, not even the production being able to show it in here in Australia. Uh, Ko is terrible in every single way. Ko is terrible. It costs us a fortune. Uh, the live coverage, even when it's on. It uh, doesn't work properly. There was a pre-recorded uh, interview put up instead because they dropped the feed from Sky. And even that interview started having lines through it. So, it was all choppy all over the place. I had people messaging me on uh, on Facebook and in the Discord as well going, what's going on with Foxtel? What's going on with KO? We've, we've dropped the feed. I don't understand. I'm paying all this money. Can you guys finally pick up the rights to Formula One and have your own streaming platform? And the answer is <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. If you have a spare 10 mil, please reach out. Um, we would like to, to do that. But seriously, though, it for people who claim, KO who claim that Formula One is the fastest growing sport for them in terms of numbers and people watching, they care the least about this sport. They care more about... Cricket and AFL and, and it's fine, okay, get that. But when we're up at stupid o'clock at night trying to watch it and we've got issues going on with the broadcast, it's not as simple as I oh, will just change over to, you know, free to air or whatever else. That's how we get it. Uh, and the only other way to get Formula One here is to get an illegal stream or torrent. Which is the whole point of why rights exist in the first place that we don't have to do that. It would be happy to have normal feed and happy to pay for it if it was good. So the only Look, as far as I'm concerned, we should petition Formula 1 to allow F1 TV access here and remove that rights from Foxtel and, and KO.
1: Yeah, well, my little gripe, I went to go and watch the F2 race and mm-hmm. I didn't get to see it live. F3, so I just, F3. F3, F3 sorry. So I just presumed that I'd be able to watch it on demand. Yeah. No, I can't get it on demand on Foxtel. I can, you only get the F3 championship demand on uh, – I presume you get it on KO. I don't have KO, but – yeah, it's the same. It's one and two are the same. So that's my crop. So I'm quite shitty about that. And I missed the first 10 minutes of the uh, feature race in which Jack Doan, our boy, superstar. <laughs> don't know if he's a superstar yet. <laughs> it's
0: right? a massive change of tune <clears throat> from last year.
1: We won't go that quick, but he got a second. Real solid result. It yeah. um, was under a fair bit of pressure. He was the head of a DRS train with about 10 laps to go. And he managed to break out of the one-second gap to the driver behind him and, uh, you know, pulled out a comfortable – he was three and a half seconds behind uh, the leader and there was another four seconds back to third place. So great result for him. Um, He needed it. We weren't super critical of him last year, but we were just pretty honest about his results and uh, we didn't want to rag on him too much because, you know, did he warrant that Red Bull lid last year? Absolutely not. But this year (laughs) – to put it on pole, uh, sorry, to have pole for ninety nine point nine percent of the session, then to get pipped after the uh, the session had stopped by six one thousandths of a second, um, mate, he's driving well. So that's it's great for Aussie fans. We get to watch the son of a uh, of an absolute motorsport superstar and his mm. dad Mick, five time World Moto GP five hundred cc champion. So that's good. That's that's just another story for us that we get to watch as well. But um, I would like to be able to go back and watch the race on demand, just so we can support him. I'm sure instead of the
0: on-demand race, you were being shown a replay of the 2008 X Games or something.
1: Oh my god! Don't even, (laughs) don't even start me. Look, we could go on. Look, they're just shit. Sorted out. I pay money for this. Yeah, really. And it's we're not lost. You lost the Rugby Union this year, which I'm an avid follower. I've said before that I can't watch Supercross live. Yep. I can see highlights on YouTube before I see you broadcasting it from some shitty American channel. (laughs) Um, What else? Oh, there's heaps to gripe about, but anyway.
0: And if you're listening from overseas, uh, I apologise, but I know in many other countries you face similar issues with providers who are just broadcasting Sky and not doing their own thing, so... Uh, I don't think we're alone in that respect, Campy, uh, but certainly for Australians and certainly on the Discord chat, lots of people uh, having massive issues with KO. What a surprise. Uh, But yes, they're the real potato. Um, And also worth mentioning as well, Campy, for F3, uh, we saw the return of uh, one Manuel Correa and hopefully I'm Pronouncing that right, but of course, after his uh, accident with Antoine Hubert and Spa, it's the first time he's back in an F three car. So uh, really good. Um, I think he managed to score some points this weekend. Uh, but good to see.
1: He did score some points in the feature race. Uh, got a, a, t- a tenth or a, a, an eighth in the race two and fourteenth in race one. So yeah, he's been really good. Um, it's good, good for him. Good story. Must be Let's- tough to come back from a horror crash like that. And
0: oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, but, so uh, yeah. Well, let's talk let's, about Schumacher look. because uh, he actually had a pretty decent race campy. Uh, he ended up finishing in eighteenth, which is a shame. But I just again the Haas is just not a car that is able to be challenging towards uh, the mid pack. But he had some really good challenges with Nick Latifi, with George Russell, uh, and even Antonio Giovinazzi at one point. So he is getting better and better each weekend.
1: He got a great start. I believe he jumped up in from, uh, where where did he start on the grid? 18th, I think. Um, But he was up to 15th ahead of George Russell. Great experience for him on a track where it's hard to pass. He uh, got some valuable experience racing hard against some of his uh, fellow compatriots on the grid. Yeah. Um, he'll only get better and better and better. And these are the sort of little things that we're looking for for Mick Schumacher this year. He's, he's not going to be getting top 10s. He's not going to be podiums for him. The goals are to get out of Q3 a couple of times in a piece of crap car and get some, get some solid wheel-to-wheel racing under his belt this year where he can. Uh, a lot of the time, unfortunately, he's just going to be driving around uh, as a glorified test driver at, at some tracks because they're that far off. But, yeah, mm. it's gr- it great weekend for him. I think he'd be pretty confident going in um, for the rest of the season. He's just going to get better and better and better. And uh, he's secured a drive for next year. I think he had a two-year contract anyway. Um, but if he keeps doing this, he will have a contract into the future and move up the F1 grid.
0: And certainly, I mean, you know, the car this year and last year was terrible, the Haas, but now they're focusing on 2022. And we know that they've got a little outpost within the Ferrari factory itself um, to help develop parts. So, hopefully, we might be able to see him a little further up the grid next year, which, uh, look, we're saying that at everyone. So, we can't have everyone in first, obviously, but it would be nice for him to be up It would up be nice. It would be
1: good if Ferrari actually gave them some genuine help. That would be... That would be good. They'd have to help themselves um, first. <laughs> they would, but we, we, we found Wally this weekend. He was sitting <laughs> on a... <laughs> 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 uh, he was so
0: great.
1: How was his sitting position on the pit wall at the start of the race? Uh, he's Jeez, like, oh, get it together. Weird Just count. looked odd. It looked odd, anyway.
0: Let's talk about Williams. Um, and firstly, I don't want to talk about drivers. I want to talk about the team principal, Simon Roberts, uh, who was on the pit wall for Sky Sports for this weekend. And what a breath of fresh air, Campy, to have a team principal that is supportive of his drivers, that is supportive of his team, happy to be there, sharing some strategy insights is what they're doing and not being bitchy at, one, at any point at all.
1: Yes, I think you're right. Um, this is the first we've seen from Williams, the Williams team. He's the sort of first public face that has stepped forward, um, from my memory anyway. Um, they don't get a lot of media attention outside of the big three, big four, um, big four teams and their principles um, and the, whatever you call them, race control. I can't remember the actual word they call them. But um, yeah, he was awesome. Um, he was great. it's you know it's easy to listen to cynical stuff and get cynical yourself it's good to have some positivity around um yeah I really I really enjoyed it I thought it was great he had some good insights um absolutely supportive I mean yeah it's good it's what you want to see from management of an F1 side I mean he's got a really good driver in George Russell so um what's not to be happy about Latifi he's performing okay yeah in my opinion um Certainly not creating the headlines, which he'd want to be creating, but um, oh, he's a suit. Like they're, they're, George is a genuine superstar in this team. Moving forward, if they want to become a destination team for drivers coming into Formula 1 and then moving them on into the second phase of their career with a, with a better midfield team or a top team, um, these are the drivers that they need to do a good job with right now got new management come in, set the tone for the organisation that, hey, Williams is a great destination for you to come, not for just your Formula 1 experience. We'll teach you all the off-track stuff. We'll better prepare you to jump into a a top-flight team. And And let's not forget, I think that's what they're doing.
0: Let's not forget that it's not too long ago that they were up towards the front themselves. You think of Valtteri Bottas driving a Williams was getting podiums.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that was because they had the uh, the Merck engine in the twenty fourteen era, which was so far my, so much better than everyone else. They sort of dropped away from that turbo hybrid era, but they've got a legacy in Formula One as a team. Uh, it looks a bit different now with no none of the uh, Williams family being involved with the team at all. Um, but yeah, their their pedigree is huge. Um, their history is huge for our sport, and um, yeah, I think the better they get. Uh, the, the better it will be for F1 fans around the globe. Yeah, you're not wrong.
0: Uh, George Russell finishing in 14th and Latifi in 16th. Uh, George was very close. And Tommy T, shout out to you, mate, because you'll be very happy about yeah. this uh, to not score a championship point again. Uh, and it's because his tyres fell off the cliff, didn't they, Campy? He was. Uh, if it wasn't for Alonso or if he could have got it past Alonso, maybe he would have been able to avoid the much faster cars Behind him, but unfortunately, he went from eleventh to to fourteenth uh, very quickly.
1: Yeah, there was there was a big DRS change, and Signs was sort of sorry. Ocon was the head of it. Um, there was a bigger one, I think, further back with uh, uh, Alonso. At one point, I think it was Alonzo. It was uh, Russell, uh, Gasly. Who else was in there? Someone, uh, Vettel. Um, but it's good to see him put the car in the right place for that stage of the race, because if he does that at a Monaco, he's guaranteed points. You can't pass, even the car is the biggest piece of crap. The tires burning off, so he put the car in the right place. He's doing the right things. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the chassis. All the uh, he's got the engine, but the chassis is not there. The chassis doesn't support what he needs to be able to do. But uh, yeah, he's on the up. Uh, good on him. I'm, uh, yep. It'll be good to
0: see Williams next year again, like we just said about Haas, be able to be further towards the front. And look, they've got the investment now and that's where they'll be focusing. It'll be interesting later in the year as we start talking about it. Well, I think we're going to see next year's Formula One car in Silverstone, they've said. uh, So we can actually visualize what it looks like. Um, But it'll be interesting to see the conversations going on about George's career and Valtteri's career and whether or not maybe they make a swap and VB finds himself back in Williams and Williams actually being semi-decent. But anyway, that's that's what, in the future.
1: What do you think will happen there? Let, let's war game this out. If you're Mercedes, what do you do?
0: Well, you, I think at the moment, Lewis is probably not going to want George as a teammate, is he? Uh, in terms of his uh, career and his ability to score world championships and all that sort of stuff, he knows that Valtteri is a good wingman for that. You know, he gets out of the way, although he didn't get out of the way super quickly this weekend, but eventually he did. Uh, I don't think George is going to be as sort of pliable in that respect. Um, So if I was Mercedes and Toto, you want to keep Valtteri because we know that he's a decent enough driver, even though he hasn't had the best of luck in the last, well, basically any of his years in Mercedes. Uh, But you find another Mercedes-powered car and you put, George there so maybe you look at something like Aston Martin uh, with Seb leaving or something like that and, and Mercedes putting some pressure on to say go here but I mean ultimately I think the, the logical answer is he's going to take that second seat in Mercedes uh, because if he doesn't or if Mercedes don't sort of respond to that then he's going to be looking elsewhere and I'm not sure Toto wants that to happen because they he's their future plan right?
1: Yep yeah well, for me, on the flip side, why do you change a winning lineup? You know, next year we start again. We've got ground-effect cars, totally whole new concept board to F1. Um, I think Mercedes somewhat owes Valtteri the right to have another crack with a new generation of cars to see how he adapts and to see what the rest of the grid is doing. And if they are as dominant... As they have been for the last eight years. Next year, why would you change a winning lineup just to bring George in to keep a young kid happy? When Valtteri could perform like this for the next decade, he's that good. I'm frustrated for VB mm. in the sense that he just doesn't have the race pace at the moment against Lewis. I mean, Lewis is under pressure and driving astonishingly well, but yeah, I think I think Mercedes owe it to VB to give him another shot next year. Um, we got know that time. he can drive. We don't, we don't need to rush these things either. Like, let's get real. You know, Russell's got another 10, 12, 13 years in this sport. Bottas, maybe another three or four. So yeah, that's where I sit on it.
0: The British press also last, at the beginning of this week or last weekend, the tail end was starting to suggest that there would be a switch halfway through the year. <laughs> Uh, nope. which is just dumb uh, firstly and i also loved Valtteri's response to that uh we're not the team who does that in this paddock <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely but he's he fits into that team so well yeah for sure in the sen- in the sense that um he and he went into bat for him on this one he was like he said, that's bullshit, it's not going to happen. That's not the team I oh, know, it's not how we operate, it's not how we do things. But you got to remember that Sky Sports and British, the British press have a big sway on public opinion oh, for sure. about what goes on in the sport. Um, you know, And they're always going to be pro-British, like we're pro Danny Rick. And if they can create a narrative around that, the more the stories will pop up, I think there's more fuel. You know, there's more fuel in the paddock that those mm. rumours will become more and more and more. Whether they've got credibility or not, doesn't matter. But if they can change the court of public opinion, then they've ultimately got a say in what happens because teams do listen to that stuff as well. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah anyway. You're not wrong.
0: All right, let's talk about Afro Mayo. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen in 12th, at least he finished this weekend, and Giovinazzi in 15th. Jeez, they kept Kimi Raikkonen out for a very long time on those mediums, didn't
1: they? Yeah, he probably went three or four laps too long in the end. But, Kimi was like, but that compromised his race at the back end as well. Do I think he would have passed those cars to get in the points? Probably not. But his race was compromised, and he definitely lost at least four to five seconds in that stage where he went too long on his first stint. But, yeah, Kimi's a star. He's Once again, he beat Giovinazzi. I had Giovinazzi uh, on as a roughie for points, but and uh, the guy's made of the right stuff, isn't he? Well, Little and wheel off the start, made some places up, put himself in the right position, right strategy going along in the first stint. Unfortunately, it didn't come off for him. But, I mean, for Alfa Romeo, that's a good result, I think, having Kimi in 12th and right on the cusp of points.
0: Yeah, Giovinazzi's yeah. obviously suffering with that uh, pit stop disaster where either the tyre was deflated or there was no air in it. Uh, as I said in the Discord, I like the way that the <laughs> – um, the mechanic told the rest of the pit crew that the uh, tyre had no air in it because he punched it furiously in front of everyone, <laughs> showing that he could uh, get the rim underneath the, the rubber, which of course caused a whole massive thing. But better that happen in the pit uh, box rather than him clearing out and, of course, you know, even being further down the pit lane or being having to pull over and, you know, a yellow flag, safety car, whatever else. Uh, so, close <laughs> box.
1: A safety car would have spiced up that race, oh, wouldn't it? A heap last night,
0: as would rain. And I think Dave Munners said there's a chance of rain, so stop saying that. As so <laughs> Dave? there's a chance.
1: Last year, they told me every race there was a chance of rain. Slim, rain's <laughs> yeah. coming, it's on its way, and it never happened.
0: Yeah, classic. So, everybody uh, every time. Hey, uh, yep. Campy, let's talk about Aston Martin because uh, Stroll really had some moments there that I was like, oh, it doesn't look legit. Uh, talking about race control, not being happy about Danny Rick weaving. Uh, you're only really supposed to make one move under braking. That's the, uh, the written rule. And tell you what, he moved very, very late uh, against one of the Alpines, I believe. And it was just like, oh, okay, that was almost a very big accident.
1: Yep. Well, what do you do? You got a guy that's trying to get in the points. He thinks the car should be further up. Yep. And the uh, the uh, the media team or the marketing team at Aston Martin has come out this week and said, "Oh, we bought some upgrades to the car. The car's uh, going to get faster and faster." And this is the weekend, well, it wasn't. So they're talking shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> but they, he wants to be competitive. I don't mind. I don't mind aggressive racing when it's there. Mm. But I think. We're lucky nothing happened. Mm. We were lucky we didn't have an incident. He's had enough experience in F1 that he shouldn't be driving and doing those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. As for Vettel, my man, you can tell me about Vettel.
0: I, Sebastian Vettel is... Is he mm? done? Sorry. Did we say that he was done mm. at the first time? Cooked, race? Cooked
1: yes. I think, is the word, Tommy, T to you. I
0: think he's now well done, to be honest. Look,
1: he had glimpses,
0: right? But I'm also thinking now even on my own stance about young drivers. You know, I said last year that I'm sick of all this young talent being forced up the chain, and I was semi-excited about Fernando Alonso coming back into the sport. But when you're looking at Vettel, Alonso, and Raikkonen fighting for one world championship point, you know, the glory days are well and truly over. We know that Kimi Raikkonen's probably done this year. We know Fernando Alonso, however, is at least here for two more years, and... He might get his head around the next generation of car and same for Seb Vettel. But we know Seb has really struggled with turbo hybrid. Um, so maybe the, yeah. the the next year and the new reg changes will be his saving grace. But he's only doing it for himself, right? Like no one can challenge the fact that he's a full-time world champion. You know, he's yeah. exceptionally well-respected in the paddock. He's got a good relationship with his closest rival, Lewis Hamilton, He's got a great relationship with Mick Schumacher, like he had with Michael Schumacher. That's a really lovely story in itself. Yep. Um, you know, everyone is good guys said but off track. But on track, everyone's like, oh, it's depressing
1: to look at. Quite honestly, it is. It is a shame. I mean, we got we should have had the regs this year, but because of COVID, if you weren't aware, everything got pushed back. These guys are hanging out for next year. Oh, yeah. And this year, unfortunately, is going to be defined by the teams other than Mercedes and Red Bull that are waiting for next year and – to get on track To have a crack To genuinely challenge For a world championship If they get it right We've seen in the past Things like happened to Braun um, You know Ferrari had a dominant era And then Renault came out With Alonso and, and knocked them off the perch And then it was pretty tight For a few years Until the Red Bull era Of four years straight which is, wasn't as dominant as the Mercedes year, but then we moved straight into the Mercedes era where it's been a two-horse race for a number of years. Now, as fans, we're hanging out for that change. Yeah. It's just unfortunate we don't have it now when we really want it. We've got to wait another year, and unfortunately, four guys like Alonso, Vettel, Raikkonen, they're not in the top teams, but they're hanging out for, those, for this next chance. It wouldn't surprise me if... Um, I mean, that's the carrot that's dangling in front of them, right? Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if all three of them are out of the sport next year. Yeah. At the end of the year, they've gone into the new cars and said, ah, oh, it's, it's not what we thought it was going to be. Um, it's gear. Conversely. But who knows?
0: Exactly. Who knows? Fernando Alonso went across to Renault back in the day, won two world championships, uh, and we know that Mark Webber should have gone instead of Fiskella, but... Uh, it's okay. <laughs> we'll let that go eventually. Yep. Um, you know, and and prove that he could do that. So, look, we're not questioning the skill of any of these drivers, including Seb Vettel. It's just the fact that in this car, he is not comfortable in this regulation period of Formula One. He has never been comfortable, um, and yeah. he, he's mm, he's not having a great time. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Alpine um, Campy Fernando finishing in seventeenth. Uh, he blames. Renault strategy, and I say, sorry, Renault strategy. Renault. <laughs> because uh, this is what we saw in Danny Rick's first year in Renault in 2019, uh, and in fact last year as well. Their strategy has always been pretty subpar.
1: Yep, and he's got every right to be shitty at them as well. I mean, after his, I think his first pit stop, he went out in traffic. I was like, what? what? What are we doing here? He lost time. You know, got back to his points, you know, got back into the points, but because of the strategy, just didn't – ties didn't last. And he pitted – I think he pitted in the end with, like, 10, 15 laps to go when it was always going to be a two-stop. They've been talking about it for four days, it's going to be a two-stop. <laughs> yes. these, these teams run simulations, and 99% of the times in the simulations, it's a two-stop. There's the one in 100 – Chance that you make the one stop work if incidents happen around it. Um, they committed to, they committed to the two stop too late, and uh, it's a shame for him because he, I mean, he wants points. He needs to be racing in the points. Yeah, the fact that Ocon's up there and really the tip of that train or race in seventh or whatever it was, yeah, yeah, frustrating for Alonso. Yeah, and so he should be angry at the team. Yeah, I don't mind when drivers are shitty for when they're right.
0: <laughs> at Yuki Tsunoda. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Ocon is outperforming Alonso at the moment, and I know we're giving yep. everyone a couple of races to, to sink in. Um, is Monaco a hard right, by the way, for that, when we stop giving the excuse that, you know, oh, we really have to give this many races before we see what people are like in their new cars? Um,
1: yeah, I've always said six. I think I stretched it at to ten last week. After. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to sound like we're having the same conversation every time. But
0: yeah. We don't need to defend Danny Rick this time, though. So maybe we can say Monaco.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I've, I I penciled in Monaco. For me, just – I'm not talking about anyone else. For me, I was like, right, I'm going to make my decision on Danny Rick at Monaco because that's his track that's where he's good. He seems to have figured that out before that destination. But, yeah. again, I mean – Alonso's excited by this car because it's different to what he had in his last experience in F1 Um, I mean do these guys want to go back to V8s and V10s absolutely (laughs) they can they can drive the wheels off those things and know how to do it and drive on the limit for long periods of time but these cars there's you've got to be gentle with them you've got to be really cute in the way that you approach the driving style. Got to be really nice to the uh, the tyres, not putting them under load, and then in the middle of the race, start start saving fuel and conserving tyres so we're not braking for 150 metres into a corner. Hence why Perez was able to make that move on Danny Rick, by the way, because Danny Rick clearly in conservation mode to make a strategy work. They thought they were going to go one stop, and you know, hindsight, they probably would have pitted him a bit earlier. But you know that's that's the frustration with with their sport, and for particularly a guy like Alonso.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Alpha Tauri uh, Sonoda didn't finish. Uh, something went wrong with the car. Did he spin and stall, and Eddie and stall kicked in, or something happened, and he just wasn't able to get it going again? Um, the one thing that did happen is uh, he had pulled over to the side on the newly surfaced corner ten, so maybe he was actually at eleven. Um, which doesn't exist as a turn anymore, um, and he was getting out of the car as the car started rolling backwards. <laughs> he was like, "Ooh, what do
1: I do here?" <laughs> just let it roll, mate. Just
0: <laughs> get out, piss off.
1: Yeah, he, he had a good f- he had a good first weekend, and uh, he's had a stinker for the last three weekends. So the last three race weekends, so he'll be looking to bounce back at Monaco. But Monaco is a track that he could bin it pretty easily. Yes, and we haven't
0: been there for such a long time. Uh, also, well, just what's been.
1: Year and a half. Yeah.
0: We haven't, we went there last oh, we year. missed it last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um another driver who commented on Yuki's speaking out against uh, the team was Marcus Ericsson randomly. Um, mm. shot a tweet out saying uh, he's just starting to look like a child now and throwing his toys out of the cot rather than you know being a, a fully focused racing driver. Uh, sorry, Marcus, don't agree. I uh, love the attitude <laughs> and it's refreshing to hear drivers actually speak their mind and not being politically correct. It's like if you play F1 2020 and you always... Choose the uh, the wanker answer to the press. Well
1: He has been living in America and driving IndyCar car, and Americans are the first to put their opinion across. So they're probably rubbing it off on him. Yeah, stop taking pot shots from across the ditch, mate. Yeah, there's no need.
0: Uh, but Pierre Gasly, uh, five second penalty for not stopping in the correct spot in the uh, starting box. Uh, that's a pretty rookie error. He was really annoyed with himself after the race as well, Campy, but he did finish in the championship points in 10th. He could have had 9th, though, if he didn't have that five-second penalty before they could uh, work on the car in his pit stop.
1: Yeah, rookie mistake, but he made it. He gets a pass. He's been driving well. He's outperforming that car. I don't think he got qualifying right this weekend. I think he's pretty frustrated himself with that. Um, So... You know, you've got to give him – people make mistakes. He is allowed a mistake because he's been doing really well for the last – you know, all of last season. Not all of last season, but the majority of last season he was good. This season he's come out and he's pants and odor and make him look pretty rookie to the point where I don't think he will have um, – he'll probably have a new teammate. He's just going to fend off teammates for the next three years. I think they're going to come in. They're not going to meet the standard and Red Bull are just going to swat them away. Yeah, that's what he, he's taken over, that kiddy at role of last year, I think.
0: Yep. Well, and there's certainly lots of Red Bull junior talent can be, you know, not far away.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, who's coming up? Um, Jack Doohan, obviously. Yeah, well, he's that's who I was years. thinking. He's a few years away. but yeah, like, He's a few years off Let's now, get but. three
0: Aussies into the top tier, mate. That would be nice. Then maybe actually the country would start paying attention properly. Unlike well,
1: maybe we, could, maybe we could get some state government investment in... Uh, In some racing facilities down here and get rid of some of the, you know, the nanny state car rules that we have down here. Give people a chance to go and drive fast where they can. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, you're not wrong. Just like Sydney's done, New South Wales with Sydney Motorsport Park, massive investment and the Ferrari Academy's based there. Not sure why, but, well, I do know why because they're probably sick of doing the Victorian government (laughs) because they're a fucking (laughs) shit show. And we're a nanny state uh, anyway, uh, moving on You can listen moving to Campy's
0: on. political podcasts I uh, can't believe it's not Campy <laughs> Mate, I reached, out.
1: I reached out to Paul Murray And I thought, mate, man, you would go pretty well, <laughs> I reckon <laughs> We look similar <laughs> uh, You challenge him for the
0: sexiest voice In the far right conservative elements Campy, no, heaven <laughs> No, 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 no. no was
1: tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek uh, but, uh,
0: Don't mind, Paul Murray Let's talk about Ferrari Um Colour signs finishing in seventh, and Charles Leclerc finishing fourth. It has to be said, uh, I wasn't expecting him to actually be up towards that point. I th- would have thought, as we both said yesterday, that Perez would have been in that fourth position. Campy, talk to me about what you think about Color signs' race.
1: Uh, yeah, he had more pace in the car. Clearly, he was the Ferraris were clearly quicker than McLaren this weekend. Um, unfortunately mm-hmm. for Signs, he was stuck behind Perez and Danny Rick And that was the story of his race He, he, he couldn't pass either of them, um, <laughs> you know, for the whole race So he's stuck in that procession that was in the pit stop windows, but it didn't come across I mean, those two had I think him and Danny Rick did their second pit stop at the exact same time Is that right? Yes um, Which, I mean, Ferrari in hindsight probably wanted to go a lap earlier or a lap later they reacted at the same time. Um I mean, frustrating for him, but this is what F one dishes up sometimes on tracks like this, where he, it's hard to pass. Yeah. So uh, he was great. And um, talk us through the clerk's race, Jim. He I sort of he was, I thought he was excellent.
0: He had an amazing getaway. Uh, and yeah. as you said at the top of the pod, uh Danny Rick was almost past him um yeah. coming into two, but He held him off, which was was well done, and he held up Bottas for a very long time. I mean, this is a car that is nowhere near as fast as a Mercedes. However, we know that Mercedes struggle at following, and Bottas specifically struggles more than Lewis Hamilton in following other cars. He's just not able to, I don't know, something about his driving style just doesn't fit in the same as how Lewis does. Because if Phoebe's out front, boom, gone. Like, see you later. He's he's all over it. Um, But Chris couldn't get past. Uh, Charles at all Uh, and it only really I mean Charles was just happy to hold him up I think for as long as possible to be able to get into that position he was kind of going yeah maybe I'm on for third but after the race he said he was very very happy with a fourth noting that uh, that's really ahead of where uh, they thought that they would be and of course being ahead of the McLarens both of them uh, as in points wise uh, Charles ahead of Daniel and Carlos ahead of Lando was a very important weekend for them.
1: Yeah, double points finish. I thought his race was excellent. I really did. He was able to run a race pace. He had clean air as well, so it wasn't like Sons. I think Sons could potentially have run that if he had clean air. But, yeah, he ran a race pace and he gapped McLaren. He gapped Danny Rick by, you know, that 10 to 15 seconds over the course of uh, the first stint. And you're right, he held up Bottas. It was good to see Ferrari. We 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 haven't seen them like that, particularly not last year. Um, So they're they're moving in the right direction. I think they'll ultimately end up third in the Constructors' Championship. There's still a big gap between them to the Red Bull, but I thought it was an excellent drive by Leclerc. I was really really impressed with it. He got the start, made up positions. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Got in front of VB. That was weird. I don't know what happened to VB in a three. It was like he missed a gear or got off the gas because he was in front, and then, yeah, anyway.
0: Yeah, it was bizarre, but yeah. again, Charles made the most of it. Again, I think yeah. he's very, very much the top tier driver. That lots of people say that he is. I, I would agree with that um, yeah. completely. Uh, let's talk about McLaren. Uh, Lando Norris had a bit of a nothing race, Campy. We didn't see much of him. He was sort of languishing around in tenth for a lot of it, but uh, finished in eighth. Um, a bit of a sh- he wouldn't be totally stoked with this weekend, would he?
1: No. But again, he was behind signs. So he's stuck in that three to four car of the four of them with Danny Rick, Perez, signs and himself. And he's the fourth car. He's not going to pass those cars. McLaren clearly didn't have the race pace that, or the qualifying pace that they have shown in the first three races. Mm. But it shouldn't be unsurprising to us because if you go back to last year, there was 13, 14 tracks that McLaren excelled at. But there was tracks that they were worse than both the uh, Racing Point, whatever you call it, Mm -hmm. Racing Point, and um, the Renault of last year. (laughs) That's becoming a thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. (laughs) Renault. Um, Renault. So it shouldn't be surprising to us that McLaren is still struggling on tracks, on on certain tracks. I think as the pace come out of that car, Ferrari got better. No, I just think it's track specific at the moment. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he'd be frustrated. He'd be really frustrated. Got held up on his qualifying lap, of which he only got one. So, um, yeah.
0: But can I just say good that he let Daniel pass so quickly after the second pit stop? Um, he could have held up Carlos a little bit better, I think. Uh, well, maybe not. It just was at the the point down the pit straight. Uh, and yeah. Carlos went, see you later. But you're right. Um, yeah. I think, like, good. I think we we're all messaging in the Discord chat going, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he repays the favour from a few races ago, and there was just no issue whatsoever, uh, which, again, the reason why McLaren did so well last year is because Carlos and Lando worked well as a team. We're seeing that again with Daniel and Lando, and I'm happy for that. And maybe that will be the reason that we end up seeing McLaren maybe just pitting uh, pipping Ferrari rather to some points. Uh, they're still five points ahead of Ferrari in the championship at the moment. Um, Is that all? Yeah, it's not much. Yeah, right. Daniel needs to uh, win Monaco, if you don't mind, uh, just to put uh, McLaren back up towards the top. Uh, But he had a much better weekend. We set up at the top. uh, There'll be a lot of people now, hopefully, probably not in the Australian press because they suck, um, backing off a little bit.
1: Just for the Australian press needs some perspective on Formula 1. They have no idea what they're talking about. That's this AFL
0: journalist writing about Formula 1. Like, come on, guys.
1: BS pot-shotting from the side because they've done 20 minutes worth of research. Yeah. Just no idea. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Danny Rick, he'll be penciling in the end, Monaco. He loves that track. Yeah. He's he's a god around that track. Um, He's awesome. We've seen what he can do there, particularly in the Red Bulls. And he qualified fourth or fifth in a Renault in his first or second year. I can't remember when it was. Oh, it would have been the first because uh, he didn't race there in his second year. But, yeah, uh, I will be – I think it's Danny Rick's big chance. I think he'll put it top three um, qualifying, and um, f- he'll be able to extract some of that pace. And hopefully something happens to a Bottas or a Perez or a Verstappen or even a Hamilton. They make a mistake, and it costs them big time in the race, and Danny Rick can – jump on that and get a get his first podium, five races into McLaren. He'll be sitting there going, probably haven't had the results I wanted, but I've ended up in the points, the first four races. Got my first podium after the fifth. We finally got some momentum moving forward. And on paper, we'll be sitting there going, yes, i had the better of him in the first couple of races, but I'm looking at it on paper and... I think Danny Rick's better.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and that will happen further down the year, as you say, and the more races you yeah. get to. Yeah. It's going to be, oh, well, it's of course, Daniel's in fourth. Or, of course, he got a podium and picked up the scraps after you know Bottas and Perez crashed out or, or whatever ends up happening. Uh, but you're right. He's opportunistic when it comes to being able to put that car in places or put any car, I should say, in places, and specifically in McLaren, who which rather is a strong car and stronger than the Renault. Renault from last year. Renault. Uh, All right. (laughs) Red Bull, uh, Verstappen in second and Perez in fifth. Uh, Perez had a bit of a shocking weekend. We said this yesterday for qualifying. I mean, um, had some shoulder injury and some pain. Apparently, he was all good ahead of this race um, in the morning. But, geez, Daniel just was holding him up and he just couldn't get past and it sort of ruined his race, didn't it?
1: It did ruin his race. He's not where Red Bull needed him to be because he could have acted as a rear gunner and put pressure on Bottas. Uh, but the gap is real between Perez and mm. Verstappen. Um, I think Perez is a better driver than the last three-second drivers that uh, Red Bull have had in Kvyat, Albon and Gasly. But he's still not getting the job done. And on paper, it's, we've seen this narrative before. Is it going to continue to play out or is he going to get better and better? Um, I can understand mistakes in qualifying when they're driving on the limit. Unfortunately for him, it ruined his race weekend on a track you can't pass and he got stuck behind Danny Rick. But once he got past him, it's not like he was setting the track alight and setting fastest laps and moving on up the road. I mean, you can see after the pit stop phases that he only came out two seconds in front of Danny Rick. So it's not like the raw pace was there that Verstappen had either. So um, interesting, interesting. And Max... When when do we start putting pressure on Perez for a drive next year?
0: Yeah, well, and that's a good question because he's only got a year contract, right? He's only in, in Red Bull for this year. Uh Look, I don't... Maybe we... Definitely after the summer break... Uh Oh, and you put me on the spot. All right, look, let's have the break first and see what happens. But it's not like he's doing a terrible job. It's just yeah. he, he's not doing enough to to be with Max and to be with Valtteri. Obviously, the car is quick. Like, it looked a lot quicker than the McLaren following yep. Danny Rick. Uh, yep. But it's just that, that level of driver. Again, when you want to highlight that Daniel is a, a better driver in our very humble opinion... Uh, and correct opinion, than Sergio. Always. Always. But Max was left hanging out in the breeze, and it was Hungary 2019 again, wasn't it? Campy. uh, I don't understand why Red Bull just didn't cover off Lewis straight away, because it wouldn't have been no issue. He would have come out a second or two ahead, and we know what Max is like on a fresh set of boots with Lewis behind him. Um, would have been fine. Instead, uh, you know, they've said, oh, well, you'll last to the end of the race. Uh, he'll catch you on the final lap. No, he won't. He caught us so much sooner than that. It was a disaster.
1: In their defence, I think Red Bull were thinking about track position to Valtteri Bottas. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't want to give up first to drop back to third in order to do it. Whereas Mercedes, they got all the cards in their hand. They got a quicker car, and we saw how quickly Hamilton closed down that six or seven-second um, gap after his first stop. Couldn't get past him, and they're like, well, the only person behind us is our teammate, and he's going to let us through. He's going to make it easy, so it's a no-brainer. Why not do it? Um, red Bull are in a tough spot. And-, mm.
0: and which is why they need a Sergio Perez in the mix as well yeah. to help you know, fix that problem. But you saw Max get on the softs. He was... Three seconds faster is, is hunting down Lewis. So, if they brought him in earlier at least, you know, 15, 16 laps to go at three seconds a lap, closing the gap, then maybe we could have had something, you know, towards the end as, as a fight as well. But, uh, you know, disappointing for Max. I'm sure but he he's been feeling it.
1: If Perez was where he was supposed to be, you know, two or three seconds behind Bottas, Mercedes aren't going to make that call to pit Lewis Hamilton when they did the second time. As quickly and as boldly as they did. Mm. They're going to sit back and they're going to sit on it for a couple of laps and weigh up the options and go, Perez could make this hard. Should we do it? Should we not? They're arming and airing too. And that's yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. It is a shame. But Red Bull don't have the pace. No. That's, cl- that's clear.
0: When it's such a, you know, we're talking about this the beginning of the year and I was like, yes, finally, we've got a championship that's very, very close. And then last weekend and this weekend, Mercedes are like, see ya. Like, wow. Yeah. Where mean, did that come a, from?
1: For a possible 104 points after four races, the 25 for each win and one for the fastest lap, um, Lewis Hamilton is on, what, 90, 94? He's
0: well ahead of Verstappen now. Sorry. He's well ahead of Verstappen now. Yeah, and but he's
1: 94 points in with yeah. four races in. We're going, shit, yeah. he's won three of them, come yep. second in the other one. Yep.
0: And it's, look, I mean, still, it still can be Max's victory this year. It's it, We're not saying that it's all over, but history would say that... Well,
1: I'm saying it's all over. Yeah, history would say it's all over. <laughs> red, red, no, Red Bull will make a comeback in the second half of the season because I think they're... Um, Their upgrades and their off-track development has always been stronger than Mercedes.
0: Mm, Um, Yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's talk about Mercedes. Uh, Do you feel like the team's not that fully behind Valtteri Bottas sometimes?
1: Well, I think it's natural. We spoke about this yesterday on the pre-drinks. It's only natural for people within the organisation to flock around the leading driver and the leading person, the person that's performing more. Um, I think there's people within the team that have Valtteri's full backing and support and probably loyalty because maybe Lewis has rubbed them up the wrong way or something's happened. And I'm the biggest Valtteri fan out there. Yeah. I, I want him to win. I'm willing him to do well. But he just doesn't have the pace in the race pace this year. I mean you've got Lewis Hamilton that's under pressure from Max and he's driving supremely well, in my opinion, at the moment. He yeah. stepped it up another level again, in yeah. my opinion, from last year to this year, because he's under pressure and he's got that fight that he wants. Um you know, Lewis Hamilton always has a down patch within the season. Yeah. It's just it's just for how long. But the the difference between Valtteri Bodas and a Nico Rosberg Is that when Rosberg was in front, he had the pace in the car in order to keep Lewis Hamilton behind him and the composure and the skills in order to do it. So that's the difference between the two. Valdoree's had his chances. He's been in front of Lewis twice this year and he's been passed by him twice Mm. on track, which Mm. is sending daggers through his hearts probably. Yeah, But he's struggling. Um, He's even said he's struggling compared to Lewis. So, yeah, it's a tough one. It is a tough
0: one. But, of course... Uh, but to
1: answer your question, does he have the support? The cynicism in me says probably not. But, the you know, the reality of the situation is he probably does.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully he does because he deserves it. Well, that's the race, Campy. Let's move on well, to nice. our favourite part of finishing <laughs> the race, and that is the Fantasy League, the F one show Fantasy League. Uh, If you're not a part of it yet, uh, feel free to join. It's uh, not necessarily about who comes first, second, or third. It's about team names. And I tell you what, we've got some bloody crackers this time. Uh, If you aren't part of it, by the way, you can find in the description, the show notes, uh, or YouTube, wherever you're watching or listening below, you'll find a link to it. Um, Campy, the person coming first has campy as the first word. uh, Yeah, it's a quote.
1: uh, So what's the quote? Is that what what she says? Is that what... Oh, my God. You've done well. Let me say it. Campy. Campy, is that what a she she (laughs) says moment? Bloody hell, I (laughs) got it out a third time lucky. But that is...
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, good. Well, that, and that ends the show. Thanks so much for listening. Is nice.
1: that what a she says, man? Exactly right there.
0: Uh, well, that was a massive <laughs> <laughs> fail. <laughs> uh, coming in second, down the inside, Joshua T. And in third, I like this one, only here because my father bought me this team, Steen I M. That. Um, <sighs> I we like that.
1: Tom- we miss Tommy T. We miss Tommy T.
0: <laughs> Rich Daddy energy. I like that. Aston Farton, that's good.
1: Uh, blue flags don't apply to those who frequently spit. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was from Haley Haley H. I, 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 and she was the first. I think she's the one that did the. Uh, if Ricardo's going to lick my stamp, or well, that one, good. She he can lick me or something. So <laughs> good. Get Clearly with- the best. Ba- Clearly, the banter from Haley is exceptional, so keep it coming. I love it.
0: Uh, the, the most mentioned m- man in this podcast who's never in this podcast, Dave Munnis, KO Roulette, <laughs> it, which yes. is the case. Yes. Uh, terrible at, at the best of time. Um, any more of your favourites, Campy?
1: Uh, no, I think we mentioned more. Oh, Maximum Perez- shut. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you uh. pronouncing
0: these is very good. Uh, look, we uh, we take we take look at uh, a look at all of these after the race, and we love them. And uh, you should too, because not all of them are necessarily appropriate to say out loud on a podcast. To be perfectly honest, um, doesn't mean they're not funny though. Uh, we we dance finally. a fine line. Uh, yes, there is a fine line. Um, there's one more actually here. Karen Horner's tears. I did like that too. Um, Also, someone mentioned to me the other day that uh, WTF1 is starting to use Karen Horner. So WTF1, I know you're listening. uh, Stop stealing our stuff. That would be nice. No,
1: no, don't be negative. (laughs) We love our our F1 uh, community, the internet community. You've got to be nice to them plots and they do a lot of good things for our fans. Uh, Not what we would like to watch, but hey, good on them. They're doing a kick-ass job.
0: Well, on that bombshell of a compliment from someone who I wasn't expecting that from. It probably is time to end. Campy, mate, we're going to Monaco.
1: Oh, Monaco, we're back. Uh,
0: It's bloody exciting. (sighs) Daniel Rick, as we've said many times in this podcast, uh, is probably going to have a good time around. If you've enjoyed this, please consider subscribing uh, to us on YouTube if you're listening to us on uh, audio and same, same. Uh, We love the audio, guys. We love... If you're watching us, um, it's such a pleasure to do this. And it's a pleasure to do this with you, Campy. We miss you, Tommy T. Um, but uh, not really. Enjoy your bloody holiday, mate. You've deserved it. Where's uh, he actually gone? He's driving Is into he... South Australia. And for Monica, he's actually uh, with me. He's, he's coming up to the free north. So uh, he might free be back. Free north. He might be back if I have a spare microphone to give him. Um, nice. But, uh, yeah, looking, looking forward to that. But a shout out to him uh, again because he'll listen to this episode because he's not in it. Anyway, mate, that's it for this time around. Awesome. Uh, looking forward to discussing Monaco in a couple of weeks' time for our pre-drinks. Until then, mate, take it easy, and take it easy. we'll Will see do. you soon.
1: Beautiful man, yeah, I did know that. Yeah, um, sorry, dude. I'll just get you up on the screen. Flat out. My screen's clean. Good. Yep. Well.